turn to the book of Numbers, and we're actually going to go to verse 13. Numbers, excuse me, Numbers chapter 13. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at an overview of chapter 13 and 14. But chapter 13, allow me just to read a little bit of what is taken. I'll give you background, and then we'll read a bit about the scouting out of the land of Canaan. And as uh, we remember even Kadesh Barnea, there's an area there where they're getting ready. God says, here, you are being confronted. You're ready to go into the land and the land that I have given to you. And uh, why don't, I'll be reading in chapter 13. And chapter 13 and starting in verse 16. And please follow along as I read. And it says in chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 16, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent out to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, which is Joshua, son of Nun Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage, and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, and Sheshea, and Telamai, and the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them, we went to the land where, they, where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Um, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. They're tall. They're big. They, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and we were in their sight and we'll stop there heavenly father we just ask that you would bless your word help us to understand it but also help us to 
apply it to our lives. God, we are thankful for what you do. Thankful for the lessons we can learn from your word. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The lesson this morning is really, the message is faith brings results. Faith brings results. And if I were to ask you, have you ever thought about the, why things are the way they are? Let me give you an example. Why do we say something is out of whack? You know, have you ever said, oh, that's out of whack? What's a whack? You know, why do we park on a driveway but then drive on a parkway? Why are they called apartments, you know, when they're stuck together? Why do they say dog food is new and improved tasting? You know, who tests it? Hmm, these engineers, you know, this is new and improved, really good. Why do they say everything tastes like chicken? You know, I mean, if, if you're to ask chickens, what do we taste like? And you know that indestructible black box, you know, that's in the airplane? Why don't they just make the whole plane out of that? Obviously, cost-wise. But you, if you wonder, the reason, you know, looking at that, uh, why things are the way they are, but on a spiritual level, why does God use such seemingly an intangible concept such as faith? If you think about faith, why does God use faith in our lives? What's the purpose of it? You know, we're called to pray to a God that we cannot see, listen to a voice we cannot hear, follow through, though we don't know where we're always going, and trust, though we don't know the immediate outcome. But this morning, we're going to look at why does God use faith? And I believe God uses faith because it produces immediate results. So advance the next slide. God uses faith because it provides immediate results. And understanding, it's not for God. God isn't testing us to think, oh, how, what is this person going to do? God knows what we're going to do. But in every situation, we don't. And whether it be through a failure, through a triumph, through each experience, we learn and understand more about ourselves and about God. And remember, as I always, you'll, you know that I try to always say, we see the past and the present. And that affects our future oftentimes. Sometimes we're afraid to move ahead because of our failures in the past. Sometimes we're ready because we're triumph in the past. Uh, talking even about graduation and those who are moving forward next week we'll have kind of a graduation Sunday. But if you think about it, those who have um, what has happened in the past, it affects your future. But God knows the past, the present, and the future. And then he knows us and what we need specifically. And so this morning what we're going to look at is three aspects of faith. We're going to look at three aspects of faith. First of all, what faith is. Faith isn't just some blind concept. Those who don't understand faith says, well, it's just believing in something. As long as you believe in it, you're okay. Well, that's not necessarily true. And we'll look at that. And what faith is not. And that's that misconception of Oh, I think faith is this. Well, that's not necessarily true because it's unfounded. But also, what faith or lack of faith produces? Because faith always has an um, outcome. And we're going to look at that this morning. So if you look at chapter 14 and even verse after, excuse me, after chapter 13, stay in the right uh, book, and they're at the wilderness of Zin or Paran and Kadesh Kadesh Barnea. And God told Moses to select 
one person from each tribe to scout out the land. So you, here we have 12 different individuals. They're going to sky out the, um, spy out the land. And so we're going to look at what faith is. So the first one we're going to look at, and I apologize because I was going to have notes for you, and I totally forgot to do that. But um, what faith is. First of all, faith is believing that God will do what he promised. Faith is, really, it's the object of our faith. It's not simply a belief. Some people say, well, faith is a belief. If I say, I believe that I can fly, I believe that I can fly. You know, Michael Jordan said, I can fly, right? Well, we know that he didn't necessarily truly fly. The only way we're going to fly with a jet pack or an airplane, but guess what? Eventually, we have to come down. But if I say, I believe I can fly, if I have enough faith that I believe that I can fly, I will fly. And so I take off running and flying, and you know what? As Buzz Lightyear said, I will only be falling gracefully or falling with, I forget what he says, falling with style. That's all it is. It's not uh, flying. And we cannot fly. And no matter how much you believe you can fly, you're not going to fly because the object of your faith is not valid. So therefore, our faith, our belief that God will do what he promised is valid. You demonstrate faith um, in others. Sometimes, for example, if you ride with someone and uh, they're driving, and maybe they're their driving is good, maybe their driving is bad. Sometimes you have to have more faith based upon um, that person's driving. You know, the speed limit um, is not, you know, uh, 101, 101. It's, uh, you know, you think, oh, my goodness, I have to have faith that, you know, the car will respond right or the person. But you are believing in that person or that they will do what they promise to make it safely. And when we pray for driving mercies, there's nothing wrong with that because you know how the highways are, how people drive. It's all about getting there first, right? But you never know. So faith is believing that God will do what he promised and what God has done. And a picture of that faith or how we demonstrate that faith is through obedience. It's a result. It's the evidence of our faith. For example, if I'm riding with someone and they say, oh, you can ride with me, and you know they're a bad driver, you know, by showing my faith, I will say, okay, I will get in. I might be fearful, but I'm going to get in and ride with this person because um, I, it is a, a matter of obedience or demonstrating that, hey, you are going to do that. In Numbers 13, if we look at Numbers 13 and even in verse 2, it says, verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the land of Canaan. I am giving to the Israelites. God, in his position, he had the authority to give the land. Even though other people were living there, it was his land to give. But he also says, send one man who is leader among them from each of their ancestral tribe. He says, go scout out the land. Now, it wasn't just to, for a um, military-wise. Part of it was they had to divide the land. But Israel, they go in and thinking it's a military campaign, spies, can we overtake the land? But God had always said, I will give you the land. I am going to be the one who gives you victory. Now, faith requires that obedience. <clears throat> but in verse 28 through 23, so we see God tests our faith. So under that, God tests our faith, the object of our faith. In verse 28 through 23, he says, the people there are strong and they're large. They look big. If you've ever heard of Andre the Giant, um, World Wrestling Federation, you know, one of those. He was a big guy, Andre the Giant. Um, some of those individuals are large. Uh, there was in the school that graduated, um, there were guys who were 6'9". They played basketball, uh, tall, 
individuals. But uh, if you were to go against them, sometimes that could test their faith because of what they had to go against. And the Israelites did not understand God's plan, but they saw what God had done in the past. You know, the powerful God that led them through the Red Sea, the one who led them by a pillar cloud by day and a, cl and a cloud of fire by night. That just doesn't happen, you know, a pillar of fire torch. Oh, look at that. There's a pillar of fire in the sky. You know, and God said to follow it, and they followed it. It didn't just appear there randomly or by magic. But it was, there were evidence time and time again. God provided manna for them. What is it? This honey loaf. When they had no food, God provided water when they needed it. And God answers prayer, but he also provided for them and demonstrated who he was. And so God tests the object of our faith because now he says, guess what? Here's a military campaign. I want you to go into the land and take it. And he says, oh, no, the, the people saw the Amalekites, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, a lot of ites. And those, these nations were bigger. They were militarily prepared. And, and the Israelites said, we have to go against them. We're not prepared. We're not trained. But God is the one who would give the victory. And, in, and there was a testing of their faith. And God often tests our faith as we think about it. Do we trust God or do we trust ourselves? And oftentimes we fail because we try to um, do it on our own and then realize God wants us to trust him. But the second thing God does is God validates the object of our faith. And what that means to validate is if you've ever had a ticket validated, it's to show that this is genuine and true. God validates the object of our faith. For example, sometimes you say, I, I trust in so-and-so. And you trust in someone, you, you give your word, you know, that this person's a good, if you've ever given credibility or said, you know, this person's credible, and they let you down. How does that make you feel when someone lets you down? How do you feel? Are you happy about it? Disappointed. That's a very good term, a word to use. Disappointed. Sometimes in yourself, sometimes in that person, but you're like, oh, wow, you know, they let me down. Did you know, humanly speaking, we're going to let each other down? Because we're human. But sometimes, you know what, we'll still stick with them. I know something happened, and we'll still stay with them. Your children, your family members, you know they let you down? That happens. I let my kids down. Um, but we can't trust in one another. We're to be pointing to Christ because he is the object of our faith. But also, he will reassure us that our faith is in the right place. Sometimes it lets us down, but you know what? It just demonstrates that, hey, we're sinful people. David in the Old Testament. The Bible's not filled with perfect people. We're not perfect people. But when we respond appropriately when things go wrong, that still demonstrates a genuine object that we can be trustworthy. If you're married today, guess what? Your husband and wife, they're going to let you down. They might say that they're going to do something, but guess what? They might not do it. And that happens. You know, your child might say, okay, I'll clean my room, and they don't do it. They let you down. It's like, all right, now comes the fire. Now comes the consequence. But no, just kidding. What happens is, you know what? They will prove themselves again and again. They're going to let you down. But that doesn't change because they're your child, so you're going to help them. A husband and wife, you know, they're going to, guess what? They let you down. Well, um, guess what? That's the male code is to let the, the wife down when it's something they don't want to do. They do such a bad job of it, they don't have to do it anymore, right? But no, but really what happens is that, guess what, they, they, they're 
valuable in other areas. And so you don't want to get rid of them, hopefully. But understand that husband and wives, you know, as that, or individuals, you can still continue to trust them. Friends. Friends let you down. But guess what? They've been there for most of the time, so they're still valuable and worthy. And God validates that and demonstrates that. In chapter 14, verse 7 through 9, it states and says, and said the entire to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will, be, we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. It's easy to be afraid of what you see. When you're facing an obstacle in your life, and you see this and you're confronted with it. It affects us emotionally. It affects us because it, it can overwhelm us with fear. But when we take a moment to relax, to pray, to understand that God is greater than our battles. And he will either help us through it or he has allowed it to occur for a reason. And we can trust him because he's in control. And he validates that even in the spiritual response of giving us still peace and understanding through that, to teach us, to guide us through that. And here we have the example of Joshua and Caleb, men of renown who have led them through and understands. And they express here and say, God is trustworthy. Look what he's done in the past. He validates their faith. <clears throat> it, and even as they saw God work in the wilderness, he carried them, it says, carried them as a, as a child. Sometimes, you know, if you've had someone who falls asleep, you have to pick them up, carry them up carry them. Now sometimes your children are grown. You think I'd never be able to pick them up. But that's how it is. As a, as a parent carries their child, he has done that to the nation of Israel through the wilderness. But also, God rewards the object of our faith. God rewards the object of our faith. When we demonstrate faith, there are benefits to that. When you believe that something is going to occur and it does, you're like, First of all, there could be just the joy, the satisfaction of knowing that, but there are benefits. When you get into a car and it runs well and it functions as it should, guess what? You receive the benefit of arriving at the place where you um, wanted to go. Now imagine back some of you, you know, nowadays the, the junker clunkers that um, are around, they really don't have them back as they did before. You know, there were times where some of you, I'm sure you had a junker clunker. You weren't even sure, you know, that cash for clunkers program got rid of a lot of those cars. But I'm sure some of you may have had a vehicle that you, you weren't sure if it was going to run. Back when they had carburetors and vehicles that sometimes they still ran on their own after you turned them off. I, I, I've seriously, I've seen it was a, a Renault station wagon where you turned off and it actually started again. I'm like, wow, that thing is a junk. I had a, um, a Chevette, you know, and it it was like you could put the foot to the gas pedal and it, and it would think about going forward. You know, so the floor, but um, they're just vehicles where you're wondering, is it going to make it? I had a, a five shift, a Chevy, and the, you know, you could peel up the carpet and see the floor is so rusted out. But some of those vehicles, you know, maybe when you're in college or maybe you're starting off, some of you guys have no idea. I know, Michael, you know, think about your nice car, different ones. You have no idea about some of these cars that your parents and grandparents have driven. You know, you're wondering if you could even make it, you know, a couple feet. And then you get left there, stuck there. But the benefit is that, you know, someone else will come along, hopefully. But a car, when it does what it's supposed to, 
you receive the benefit of that completion. And it's the same way because as we think about faith, there were individuals in the past of Noah, build a boat. You know, it hasn't rained and doesn't even know what it is, but he built a boat and God confirmed his faith. Abraham, you're going to have a child. Don't worry. Um, you've never had one before and you're old, but you're going to have a child. Moses, Rahab, and countless others throughout history were blessed because of their faith in God. And even as we talked about it, Ruth, who returned, and then because Naomi, with Naomi, and they had the child, Obed. And they're called to enter the promised land. It is a land that has been promised to Abraham. And God continually renewed his covenant. I have promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to you people, it's going to be yours. And I've led you through this. But they've constantly lost sight of who God is. They feared God. They feared others. And they've forgotten and they've disobeyed. But Caleb and his descendants will enter the land. And God rewards the faith because those are the ones who are going to receive it because they trusted continually in God. And as we look at these, what faith is, God uses our faith in our lives, and he uses faith in our lives because it requires us to make hard decisions. It tests our character. And just to advance that slide, as we see character, who we are, and our faith in God. Sometimes it requires us to make hard decisions. Some of you can make decisions, you know what, let's do that. Some of you can't make decisions very well. It depends on the situation. I'll be honest, there's some decisions that I can't make. I, I'm, I'm a terrible grocery shopper because sometimes I look at, oh, you know what, since they put those things on, how, much, how many calories, how many fats, is this a better deal price-wise? And I get lost in some of those little things where it doesn't really matter. But sometimes it's like they overwhelm you, you know, oh, which should you get? Which will help you live longer, right? Which will not cause you to gain five pounds? Which will, you know, be better flavor? And, you know, you look at all those things, and sometimes you just pick what you want, right? You don't think about those things. But some of that stuff is like, okay, you know, you go into vegetables, or you go into these, and which is better? Decision making. But then maybe it's a major decision in life. Oh, yeah, we should definitely do that. You're, you're all on it. But those decisions can overwhelm us. But when we know that the object of our faith is God, he gives us a peace. And sometimes you don't know if the decision is right. But if you've prayed about it, you've asked for wisdom, and as you go through it, there will be confirmation of knowing that, you know what, it was a hard decision, but it was the right decision. And you have seen God work in your life through that. And there's decisions that you have made in your lives where God has confirmed that, you know what, that is the, the right decision. Some of you might still be wondering, well, I don't know. But God helps us make those hard decisions, and it requires faith, especially when it comes time later to make other decisions. Well, let me keep moving on. The next thing we want to look at is what faith is not. What faith is not. And faith is not partial obedience. Sometimes we think that we're following after God or, or demonstrating faith to God through partial obedience. But that's not necessarily true. And chapter 14 demonstrates what occurs. In chapter 14, Israel, the nation of Israel, they follow after these ten spies and say, oh, you know, we're not going to go in. We're fearful of the people because there's giants and the fortified cities. We're not going to go in. And it says uh, in verse 2, all the Israelites complained against about Moses and Aaron 
And the whole community told him, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to die by the sword? Our wives and our little children would become plunder. Wouldn't it have been so much better if we were to go back to Egypt? What I need is to have someone read it in a really whiny voice. You know, that would really irritate you. Can you imagine that? Oh, why? Why do we have to do this? You know, you know how that sounds, you know, that really screechy, irritating, oh, please, no, you know, maybe some of you could have done that, but it's just like, oh, but imagine that before God, and so they said to one another, let's appoint another leader and go back to Egypt, and Moses and Aaron fell to the ground, but here they have sinned, and the reason is because God had already promised the land, this is your land, take it, here, take this land, it is yours, you, you, there may be people in there, but God will give the victory, and there was a reason for that, because God would demonstrate who he was, their faithfulness, their trustworthy, and the people had to obey. But faith is not, um, as we see, partial obedience. And first of all, it's not an external demonstration. And what I mean by external demonstration is what happens is the people realize that, guess what, they're going to receive a consequence and punishment. God tells them, well, <coughs> well now as your punishment, you are all going to die. Everyone over 20 is going to die and not see the land. And you said, oh, the land is going to eat up your children. Well, guess what? They're going to be the ones who are able to experience the land. If you're, over 20, if you're under 20, 20 or under, raise your hand. 20 or under, raise your hand. High up, come on. High. If you're under 20, raise your hand. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Okay, 9 of you get to go into the land. You know, if you think about it. Some of those, there would have been others. But all the rest of us, guess what? They wouldn't have been able to go into the land. And now there's something to complain about, right? But what occurs is there's a consequence. And so then the people turned and said, wait a second. We will go into the land. Let's go up. And as it says in the text, um, it, well, not an external demonstration. First of all, it says the people thought that their display of genuine mourning would be evidence of their faith. So what they do is if we look at verse 39 in chapter 14, it says, when Moses reported these words to all the Israelites, the people were overcome with grief. They got up early the next morning and went to the ridge of the hill country saying, let's go to the place the Lord promised, for we were wrong. And they responded. And they said, oh, you know what? We're sorry. Grief. You know, some people are sorry. I don't, you probably don't follow um, football, but Patrick Peterson for the Cardinals, he said, oh, you know what? I'm sorry that I got caught. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I really feel bad that this came about. He showed no repentance that he had done wrong, no personal confession of guilt. He just was sorry he got caught. And that's how people are. They don't give a true identity of repentance. You know, oh, I'm sorry this occurred, you know. And just saying you're sorry doesn't mean that um, you admit guilt. Sorry, I'm making it thunder in here. Well, I'm, I'm looking to get a new one, so uh, we'll, won't have that. But they understood that he, they, um, they didn't understand that just by confessing and, and showing their grief that that was enough. Because it happened time and time again throughout where they said that they were sorry and wrong, but they didn't change. They continue to make the same mistakes. And here, it's not an external demonstration. And so God had decided their punishment and God knew the hardness of their heart, but also faith is not delayed obedience. And that's the next thing they do. They think, oh, well, guess what? I'm going to, we're going to now do what the Lord said. 
in chapter 14, verse 40 and 43, it says, The people got up early. They went to the, let's go to the place the Lord promised, for we were wrong. But Moses responded, why are you going against the Lord's command? It won't succeed. Don't go because the Lord is not among you, and you will be defeated by your enemies. So now Moses said, don't go because you will be defeated by your enemies. The Malachites and the Canaanites are right in front of you, and you will fall by the sword. The Lord won't be with you since you have turned from following him. So whose strength are they going in? They're going in their own strength. God is not going to go and fight their battle this time. So they're going on their own. But they dared to go up to the ridge of the hill country, even though the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and Moses did not leave the camp. So the significance of the Ark of the Covenant represented the literal presence of God. When the glory of God filled the tabernacle, they knew God's presence was there. See, in the New Testament, each believer has the Holy Spirit residing in us. We have evidence uh, through confirmation, through peace, that the Holy Spirit resides with the believer. Back then, it worked through the presence of God was visible there. And then we had the representation, the representative, which was Moses. He was the leader. God's anointed one says, guess what? Follow him. But they didn't. And so they go about on their own. They went up, and the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that part of the hill country came down, attacked them, and routed them as far as Orma. Routed them simply means that they lost in battle. And that delayed obedience. And that was not faith. And the problem is, you know, even humanly speaking, we tend to be analytical, critical people. And we believe something based upon empirical evidence. Okay, gravity exists because if I drop this, then, you know, it's going to fall. But we try to apply some of those same characteristics to God. Okay, God exists because of something visible or valid. But that's not how God works. God is outside the boundaries of the known universe. And what it means is that he, does, he is not confined by the laws of nature. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In that we have elements such as time, space, and matter. But God can exist and function outside of time, space, and matter because it says that God has no beginning and no end. Now, sometimes you may think that, you know, when you have to wait for someone, or if you've ever been to the, to the, uh, the, what do you, the DMV, you know, waiting to get your license or waiting in line, it's like, oh, my goodness, time has stopped, stood still, or waiting in line for something. But no, eternity has, that's not eternity, but God exists outside that. But he works within time, space, and matter for our benefit, so we can understand that. And what occurs is that we want the evidence, but the Israelites were trying to obey God after they had been disobedient. However, their disobedience led to more disobedience. And now they were transgressing, overstepping God's laws and boundaries and they would not enter the land. They're trying to change God's mind, but it was already set. And that delayed obedience. True faith requires immediate and complete obedience. Even Samuel said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. God simply wants us to obey. And when we, it's important. That's why the Bible is so important, just to know what it says, to not repeat the lessons, but also to understand God's laws, to love the Lord 
your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What's that mean? Well, as we read the Bible, we see examples of it, how to love the Lord your God. It's not always easy. Some people are seemingly unlovable. But, you know, God still requires to demonstrate love to them. And sometimes there are different types of love as we see what the action looks like. But let me keep moving on forward. And love, excuse me, faith is not external demonstration, not delayed obedience, and it's not self-dependence. That independent streak of the Israelites, you know, where they could do everything on their own. Chapter 14, verse 44 says, But they dared go up the ridge of the hill country, even though the Ark of the Lord's covenant and their leader did not leave the camp. They were trusting in their own strength. And they presumed, it says in another translation, they presumed, which means acting on their own. Sometimes you've acted on your own. When you were young and single, you just graduated high school and you thought, you know, I know everything, right? And then you, you go through life a little bit and realize your parents aren't as dumb as you thought they were. They know a few things. But the presumption, we, we assume that we know something, and the danger is that then we fail to receive instruction. And we can always learn new things. That's the thing. When we stop learning or assuming that we know everything, then we start to really decline. And sometimes the hard thing is that when younger people know so much more than us in you know, how to work that gadget of a, of a cell phone, you know, that, that annoys me when my daughter says, oh, you just swipe right for the camera, or, you know, you just do this. It's like, wait a second, I'm pretty techie. Don't show me tricks that I haven't learned yet. It's like, I'm, you know, different things, but that's what occurs. It was Claire, by the way, but Glory knows other ones as well. But it's just things that happen. It's like, oh, would you stop that? But, you know, learning, constantly learning, and there's going to be things that you know that someone else doesn't, and there's going to be things that someone else doesn't know that you know. And it's a constant understanding of that as we learn, it's not dependent upon ourselves, but most importantly, it's learning the advice of Moses. They did not trust God. And humanly speaking, we think, oh, I know what it's doing. This is happening before. I can do this on my own. But in every circumstance, in every situation, simply, God, I know you're in control. Please help me in this. You might have done it a thousand times. But that admission, that recognition to God for help will bless you in many different ways. And even as a church, you know, we want God to bless us. But you know what? There's going to be times where we're going to be tested, where there's going to be challenges that come. And we have to bless and praise God through that, but also depend upon him in the good and the bad and not rely upon ourselves. And I'm thankful that God uses each one of you in many different ways. And just to, in summary, the disobedience to God is still sin. And so the next slide, the disobedience to God is still sin, and it's going to be punished. And that's the hard part, is that when we sin, there's going to be punishment that occurs. Just like a parent has to punish their child. And you shouldn't enjoy it, but maybe there have been times where, you know, you're going to get what's coming to you. There's some wisdom in some of, you can see what's going to take place. Maybe in a coworker life in your boss in in a family member you say you go down this road this is going to occur and you just wait and maybe you're like oh i told you so you want to do that but you're you're bigger than that you don't say it right yeah right you sometimes tell them and say oh i told you it's going to happen but the mature person says you know i you knew it was going to happen but guess what that punishment comes or that consequence comes 
And so understanding faith is still a process. As we grow older, it doesn't mean that we, we um, don't need faith still. The requirement for faith is still there, and God tests our faith. And it's important that we depend upon him. But the next thing we look at is that our, la- our faith or lack of it always produces results. Our faith or lack of it always produces results. And the first thing we see is that the people were labeled. And what happens is because of their actions, because of what takes place later in Deuteronomy 32.20, when eventually they were allowed to enter the land, the next generation, the Song of Moses was instructed to teach Israel about themselves. They were labeled a perverse generation, a people with no faith. As you think about it, Israel... Um, continually throughout the Old Testament, we see God is faithful. He keeps his covenant. And he even put in, when there is a renewal of the covenant by Moses in Deuteronomy, he says, God says in there, when the people sin, when they go to idolatry, I'm still going to be here. They will return to me, and I will be faithful to them. The picture kind of is in the New Testament of the, the prodigal son, the father. You know, I will be here, ready. But when there's a confession, return to me, and I'm going to be here. It's like the parent longing for the child to say, hey, come back. If you make the right decision, you're going to have peace in your life. But until that time comes, I'll be here. And I want you to know that. But the people were labeled. There's still going to be a labeling because they were a people of unbelief. We think about that nation, that uh, they were there and they didn't believe. And we think, oh, you know what? If I had been there, I would have believed. Well, guess what? Humanly speaking, There are things in our lives that are very fearful. And we doubt. We doubt ourselves. We we question, is God really in this? And the people, and so as a faith, we need to learn to trust God in every situation. There are times that are very difficult to trust God. And that's why corporately as a body, a local church, family, you know, we help one another. When someone says, I'm going to pray for you, pray for peace. But also we follow it up with action. Sometimes we support someone who's going through a health, you know, give them meals or, or even just a kind word or, or, or being there for them. That is reinforces and strengthens one another and encourages us that we're there and that by faith it's not easy. But guess what? You can have that faith because the object of your faith is trustworthy. Also, the people were limited. And that talks about in Hebrews 3 and 4. They were limited because in the future, they were not allowed to have um, entered the land. And they were limited in their capacity because they were not able to even reside there. And as we know, Israel as a nation has been there as a nation um, in in the land of Israel. But it says that someday in the millennial kingdom... They will have a ruler of David who will live and rule them in the land. And it's hard for us as a nation, the U.S. of A, to understand because we've never had a king. We've never been under the, the authority of a leader. But can you imagine if you understand Venezuela? Most of you know, how many know Venezuela is in the southern South America, right? And Venezuela has been gone through difficult times. But uh, if you think about even nations, countries in Africa, all of a sudden there's a different regime, different government. We haven't lived in that, in that time period. Some of you have lived through maybe World War II and the effects. You, know, you understand what takes place. But as a nation, we've, for the most part, 
had peace. And then 9-11, there was a, a touch of what took place, and it brought a sense of nationalism. But there were consequences because of the unbelief. The, they were limited. And so someday, as things get worse and worse in our nation, as believers, there are, there's a consequence that is going to come that is because of our faith. You are going to be tested for what you believe. You know, you can represent but we hope that it is in our time period where, you know what, you are going to be confronted for your faith that you either don't um, deny Christ or you're going to die. But there may come a time we don't know as we see that. But the people were limited because they were not able to enter the rest and the consequences of that generation. As we see here, the Bible says that things are going to get worse and worse and people are going to go after other gods. And that is not a consequence of our actions, but what I, what I want you to understand is that those limitations are part of God's plan to teach us, but it's also a lack of faith in other our own country, I think. US, the U.S. has been blessed in, a, in the past for what has occurred of their faithfulness, missions, and following after, but are we a, a nation that follows after God now? I would say no. And so we're going to see some of those consequences that take place. But also the final thing is the people were lauded. To keep along that alliteration, lauded. They were built up. Hebrews 11 is a record of those who followed after because of their faith. They demonstrated faith in times where it was easy. Coming up, we're going to have Memorial Day. And this is good because Memorial Day is a time to represent and to remember those who have served God, served our country um, through military, but have passed away. And we don't, we don't want to forget those who have served our, our nation. And Veterans Day, same thing. But here, as we see, these people are lauded because of their faith. They demonstrated their faith in such a way, and it is a testimony to those. They obtained a good testimony. They were counted the object of their faith as more worthy as their circumstances. Fox's Book of Martyrs talks about those who, who stood up for their faith and were willing to die. In other countries, there are those, because of the cause of Christ, they're willing to give up their lives. May come a day where maybe we are faced with that, but I would ask you, you know, what would be our response? If someone were to say, hey, you know what, your life, are you willing to, would you deny Christ, or would you say, you know what, I would follow after God? Sometimes we think about what we would lose, but faith, our faith will be demonstrated. The actions of that faith, and I want you to know that the object of your faith is worthy of your trust. Jesus Christ, what he has done. And so as we look at it, true faith is rewarded and honors God. True faith is rewarded and honors God. And that doesn't mean that, oh, if you have enough faith, you're going to get millions of dollars. That's the wrong type of faith, remember. That's not. Oh, if you have enough faith, you're going to get healed. That always doesn't always happen. But it's the object of our faith. And as you demonstrate your obedience to God, that faith, God works that out. And he will use you to honor and glorify him. Because faith, through faith and obedience, we learn about ourselves. Because honestly, you, we think we know ourselves. But sometimes until we get into a certain set of circumstances, a situation, we don't know what we're going to do. But God does. And when we fail, whether we fail or whether we 
complete it and come through and say, you know, praise the Lord, everything worked out. God is the one, and it's true character and identity. He, he wants you to become more Christ-like, and he knows where you're at. He knows the level of your faith. He knows whether it's weak or whether it's small. But remember, whether it's small, if it's correctly located or placed, it's still correct faith. So the object of our faith. So just at, in closing, just want to mention this. Faith always requires us to make a decision. We either choose to honor God or ourselves. And today you may be facing challenges at school, at work, or even in your family. And how you respond to those tests will be evidence of where your faith lies. Believe God. Choose faith because it honors God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had. We thank you for using faith. Sometimes we don't always understand the circumstances in our lives, why we have to go through testing and, and difficult times. But God, you are concerned about our character. You are preparing us to become Christ-like. And everything that occurs after we have placed our faith and trust in Christ allows us, permits us to see you, to see your grace, your mercy, and allows us to demonstrate a little bit of that character. If there be someone here this morning who's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today might be the day they can do that, to confess their sin, to place their trust in you, and to know that you are trustworthy. But I also want you to understand, I know that you want us to understand that as we live our lives, you know what we're facing. And there are easy tests and there's hard tests. And those hard tests sometimes crush us emotionally, sometimes affect us for a period of time. But with your help, we can make it through there. You give us peace. You give us healing. You give us forgiveness. And God, I pray that you would help us to understand that we can have true peace, a right relationship with you, to know that we can face struggles and difficulty because you are with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And we honor you. And God, our desire is to honor you with our lives, to show people that we do trust you and that you are trustworthy. Help us to demonstrate that faith each day. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.